Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. You can take it two ways. You can either rip the production value of this very special First Draft podcast, or you can say, damn, that's really impressive technology because I'm in a studio in Bristol. Kuyper's in the, the Kuyper uh, home studio in Baltimore. And Todd McShay is live from an Uber somewhere between here and Hartford, I think, Todd. is Todd, are you with us? I am. I am so far. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> this is the first for the show, by the way. Yeah. First time we've ever had one of the three of us in the Uber heading to Bradley International Airport. I, I'm so much yeah. – I feel so much better because I, normally Todd and – you know, when Todd's here, we're in studio, and I actually just I, – I put on my headphones, and I heard Todd's voice, and I was like – I just saw this dude on TV like 10 minutes ago, and he's not in this studio, which means he just didn't want to sit with me. But that might still be true, but at least now I can say he has a plane to catch. Wait, I mean, I, I can't really get into it here. <laughs> but, but when I get dropped off at the airport, we'll get into it. This is, uh, it's been interesting. It's interesting. To say the least. And yes. not only is Todd in an Uber and multitasking, he also has... A new mock draft out today that is particularly interesting because it's another one of those semi-impossible mock drafts that falls right in the middle of NFL free agency. And you can already see the effects. For instance, Todd and Mel both have had a couple mock drafts before this. Todd has one out today. Previously, the idea of a quarterback to the San Francisco 49ers seemed perfectly rational. But the San Francisco 49ers went out and got Brian Hoyer. And, you know, they've been active in free agency. And suddenly that changes the projection a little bit. Todd, I mean, certainly this weighed in. Suddenly quarterbacks in this mock draft are dropping. Do you see these teams being aggressive in quarterbacks as kind of reflecting of this class? And, uh, you know, the indecision there, you know, Brian Hoyer is clearly an option that you might want over a rookie quarterback. Now you have... Let's see. I think you put Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns at 12. You have Trubisky falling all the way to 25. I mean, has free agency played a part here? Yeah, the, the grades haven't changed on the quarterbacks. It's yeah. that we, it was just so much uns- I mean, the last time I did a mock draft, they literally, the 49ers literally did not have a quarterback on their roster. Yeah. So kind of new. I, I think it's just the market correcting itself, if you will. You know, I, I, who knows if Mike Glennon's the answer in Chicago? Who knows if... What the plan is for Brian Hoyer? I'm assuming it's, it includes drafting a quarterback, in, probably in the first few rounds, and bringing him in and developing him properly, which is exactly what Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky from UNC, Deshaun Watson from Clemson, Sean Kaiser from Notre Dame, especially, and and even more so, uh, Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech. That's what they need. So, I'm guessing without knowing that these teams. Even who knows what's going to happen with Cleveland too, with Brock Osweiler. But these teams at the top of the draft going out and getting stopgap quarterbacks or guys who could possibly be answers for the next few years. Uh, I think part of the mindset is we we know that these quarterbacks in the draft are not ready to play right now at a very high level and need coaching and time to to develop and adjust. And so let's try to get ourselves in a situation where maybe we. For Cleveland, it's maybe possibly at the 12th pick, and let's get our pass rusher at number one in Miles Garrett. And for San Fran, maybe it's early in the second round, and the same for um, for Chicago. But it, but as you all know, the quarterback market will run out after about six or so guys. And so I think it's going to be fascinating to see if our teams moving back into the first round, our teams moving early in the second round, and where uh, all these quarterbacks wind up going. Mel, you have been in the same position where you've had to, you've had mocked quarterbacks as high as two and now you see Todd he has one down at 12 uh, is at 12 would you think do you think Cleveland wants to have to draft a quarterback there or do you still think they're out there in the market maybe looking for a Jimmy Garoppolo 
Well, I think that's the key. It's, it's Cleveland and nobody else for Jimmy Garoppolo. And people say, well, now you don't have the competition to make the pick go up, make the, the value of the pick go up, uh, or the, the picks go up, uh, the demand, because you have two or three teams now bidding for Garoppolo. But if you have one that says, we got to get him or we're in trouble, what's the difference? And Cleveland has all this ammunition. They have all the picks that they need this year, next year, to make a strong pitch for Garoppolo, make it tempting for New England, who would end up with a third and as far as a compensatory pick, rather than maybe a bonanza from Cleveland, if Cleveland wants, in fact, to send a bonanza to the New England Patriots for Jimmy Garoppolo. If they don't make that move, you would think they stay at one despite getting offers because they will get offers for that first pick because a lot of teams would want Miles Garrett. But if they decide to keep Garrett at one, take him, then that 12th pick, Todd has Deshaun Watson. The local product is Mitchell Trubisky. They went local with Brady Quinn. It didn't work out. Do they? And remember, Pro Day, Todd's going to be at the Clemson Pro Day tomorrow. North Carolina's Pro Day is coming up. And we're still doing these mocks. I'm doing a mock next week. So things can change there. I think Arizona, Todd, is an interesting team right behind Cleveland. you got an old quarterback in Carson Palmer. You have Trubisky and Watson possibly both being there. At worst, you're going to have one left. And if they like the one that's left, maybe Arizona pulls the trigger. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, very uh, to try to project where these quarterbacks go, especially with Buffalo now committing to Tyrod Taylor and the Jets needing to win now rather than taking a rookie when they took Hackenberg in the second round, it makes projecting these two young quarterbacks very difficult. Todd, let's look at the uh, a couple of the, you know, I know you've, you've done your share of TV today, but here you get to really uh, flesh it out a little bit. Start with the number two pick, Solomon Thomas. Is he now, do you think, safely kind of in the clubhouse in a golf sense with uh, as a top five guy? You had him, this is the highest I think he's been on anybody's mock. Uh, but explain a little bit, Solomon Thomas there to the Niners at number two. I'm assuming you think they can get some pass rush out of this dude. Right. I mean, I think that's the whole key. And I think you can get edge play and and certain passing downs, move him inside, and, and he can rush the quarterback as well. So I think he brings some, some versatility. I think when you looked at, okay, who are the other options? Jonathan Allen is another five technique. I mean, they've, yeah. they've drafted five techniques each of the last two years, I believe, the first, in the first round, the Oregon guys, and Buckner and Armstead. And and so who's the next best edge? I, maybe Solomon some guys like him more than others you know some guys think that he his take on skills need to improve and, and I've heard some you know it was, what about his length and lack of length and just average arm length and all those sorts of things but it, we're at Nick pick season now too I mean people are trying to find little holes in, in every single player but bottom line is I think with his tape being as good as it is and then the workout he put on which was I wouldn't say exceptional but really really good across the board I think Thomas, I would say this, I feel really good about him in the top ten, and I think there's a chance in the top five. And, for again, for Sam Fran, that fit their need. If they're not going to go quarterback there, they need edge help. Cornerback was another possibility. you know. But um, I, I, just, I think, for me, if you can't get the quarterback, let's get someone who can get after the opponent's quarterback. Mel, I'll let you take this one. I know Todd's talked a lot about it today, but O.J. Howard, the tight end out of Alabama who, you know, kind of quietly had a, just a brilliant combine, you know, at his size, just did everything really well uh, and backed up some of the explosive plays you saw on tape. But, again, this wasn't a guy that had a ton of productivity. The thing is you kind of have to separate him from that Bama offense a little bit, from the quarterback play and from really just the ability to run the ball on pretty much everybody. But, Mel, O.J. Howard at four, can you see it in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of tight ends, so if you want to in, you might want to get in early? Or do you think, you know, a lot of good tight ends pushes him down a little bit? Or is this just a really good player and, you know, another guy that Blake Bortles could probably use? That's a good question because you have so many tight ends, and you know you can get a really good one in the third or fourth round, yeah. maybe into the fifth round area. Howard, it's six. You think about it with his size, six five and a half, two fifty one, with long arms, big hands, runs four five, strong, underutilized in that Alabama offense, can block, so it can be a traditional inline tight end, uh, as well as a guy who can stretch the deep middle. I look at Howard as a guy that we're going to look back on and say, how the heck did Alabama not getting the ball more, or is he just flat a little bit overrated? here. Based on my ratings at 10, you got to get a guy in your top four. 
I don't know where you have him on your top 32 board. I got him at 10, Todd. Top four means you better get one of the top three or four elite players in the draft. We had Vernon Davis went sixth. Kellen Winslow Jr. went sixth. Eric Ebon went Kuiper, I looked. I looked it up today. It would be I, – I wish I looked it up before I gave him to Jacksonville. Maybe I would have rethought it. But uh, <laughs> I looked it up today, and it would be the earliest in the common draft that tight end's ever been selected. Yeah, I was checking it before because I happened to see your top ten. I said I went back to Vernon Davis at six. 1972. Uh-huh. Whoa. 1972. Uh, I'm going to forget his name now. Uber's got me. Uh, Miles somebody. But 1972 was was number five. Yeah, it's on my Twitter feed. Um, so and yeah, we've seen a few guys at six. And, uh, my, uh, Vernon Davis, Kellen Winslow Jr. in yep. 2006, 2004, respectively. But even in the last four six years, there's only been two tight ends selected in the first round. And Ebron being the highest, Eric Ebron, for the Lions being the highest at number ten. So even the guys that have gone that early. The, the results haven't been that great either. So. Yeah, and I think what we have here, Todd, is we have six, at least I have six defined star defensive players in the top six. And that would be Miles Garrett, Jonathan Allen, Solomon Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Reuben Foster, and Jamal Adams. So you got right there, you got defensive linemen, you got the corner from Ohio State, the safety from LSU, and inside linebacker. That's your top six. Uh, you know, the 49ers, this will be, as you say, the third straight year. You had Armstead. Buckner, and if you go to Solomon Thomas or Jonathan Allen here, you get the same player three years in a row. Uh, do you do that, or do you take somebody else? Do you get out of there? Who's going to trade up to get a player like this? You're going to have a taker, a buyer for that pick. We don't know. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm getting out of there because the tight end, is, there's so many good ones. Would you rather have O.J. Howard at four, or would you rather get a guy like Gerald Everett in the third round, Jake Butt because of the injury way down the line, a Cole Hickatini in like the fourth or fifth round, Smith from Florida International maybe fifth round, or Adam Shaheen from Ashland in the third round. Yeah, that's what they have to decide. Uh, is it worth taking a tight end with that fourth pick overall? Well, and it's tricky Riley, because Riley Odoms. Riley Odoms. Oh, I remember Riley Odoms. Riley Odoms went to the Denver Broncos, didn't he? Of course he did. I was negative five years old. Yeah. So Riley, I remember Riley. He came out of University of Houston. Okay. <laughs> Strong work, Mel. So, you know, I think the thing, though, you're talking about, you know, Mel brought up Winslow. You brought up Vernon Davis. You know, with O.J. Howard is, you know, O.J. Howard ran the 40 faster than Allen Robinson. You know, it's you're talking about a tight end that you think has elite athletic traits and can kind of change, shift the equation for you. you and has developed into a better blocker, too. Yeah, and I mean, but you, you think of him just as a weapon and not just as a tight mm-hmm. end, and I think maybe you, you, you're – justifies your conversation right. a little more. Todd, the other, the other one that caught my eye early in this mock draft, just going through it, is with Tyrod Taylor, you know, on our last pod, we were speculating, you know, what do the Bills do if Tyrod Taylor doesn't come back? If Tyrod Taylor right. does come back, suddenly I think you gotta get a you got to get a wide receiver. What was the thinking having Corey Davis be that guy as opposed to Woods out of Washington or Mike Williams? You know, what's the thinking with Corey Davis? Just great wide receiver yeah, for a team that needs one? I, I think I think there's a lot still to figure out. Corey Davis is not going to work out at his pro day, so is he going to run before the before the draft is, is now kind of up to the question because of his ankle injury. And then Mike Williams, I'm headed there right now. You can hear me walking into the Bradley International, <laughs> heading down to South Carolina to see him run. And um, be interesting to see what he runs because that's really the question mark in his game is the is the the top true top uh, top end speed. So we'll see. And, and then there are some teams that really that like John Ross, and not just because he ran a four two two, but but certainly because of the speed on tape, and then confirmed it at the at the combine and the explosiveness after the catch and as a vertical route runner. So I think these three receivers are, are in my opinion, pretty clearly the top receivers in the draft. But I, I could see different flavors for, for different teams, and I just I couldn't give another Clemson wide, wide receiver to, uh, to Buffalo Bills at this point. I said, uh, I said Woods. Uh, I meant Woods is, Woods is the receiver Buffalo lost. He departed, went to, the, yep. went to the Rams. Watkins obviously is still there, but you know, clearly that's a situation where they need weapons uh, for Tyrod Taylor, who's mm. there were times where you felt like he was doing it himself. Last year, that and also another spot where you could see a guy like O.J. Howard if he was still around. 
Um, they, did, they did a nice job getting Taylor back for what they got him back for. I was, was I was actually was shocked. Very well done. I, I have already commissioned the investigation into how exactly that went down because I thought on the open market he could do he could do better uh, than what he than what he did. Mel, mm-hmm. an interesting pick in this draft from Todd. All the way down there at number twenty-five, mm-hmm. Mitchell Trubisky. Now, the one thing I always need to point out, you know, you guys aren't you guys aren't allowed to, you know, we put in. You can't just make up trades. So, in some ways, it's hard to see Trubisky falling this far, and it's perfectly logical a fit if he is still there. Could you imagine a scenario like that? I mean, it 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 happens. Somebody quote unquote falls every year. And, you know, what we often say is falling is really just a, a guy that drops because there's teams that just don't have that need. Um, he's, you know, he's not viewed any better or worse. But uh, could you imagine that situation? Yeah, I think you could uh, because there's a lot of mixed opinion. I was just looking at these guys, and, and Todd and Chris, I don't remember many years over the last 20 I'll go back to when McShay was out of uh, elementary school, uh, so the last 20 years, and say how many players in the first round are really question marks as we speak as to how they're going to be viewed because of injury or a poor 40 or another issue that happened. There's red flags all over the place. And, you know, we're trying to project the first round here in mid-March. So I think you look at it and say, could Trubisky less? He's 18 on my big board right now. Could he get down there? Sure. Aaron Rodgers got down there when Alex Smith went number one. Quinn dropped down to a point where uh, Cleveland ended up trading to get him. We all thought Andy Dalton would be a late one. He dropped into the second. So it's happened plenty of times. There's other examples of that as well, where teams have overdrafted. Then examples of where a guy has dropped a lot further than had projections had him going. So Trubisky is a wild card. Deshaun Watson's a wild card, trying to figure out where they'll go. Right now, it's almost impossible. You're guessing it's still early. Neither have had their pro day yet. So we'll see after all this shakes down and some other kids that haven't yet done anything will work out, will run. Their medical will be in. The final checks will be in. Then you can more have a clear definition as to how maybe this first round will go. Couple more uh, questions just on this mock draft before we jump into the teams. Todd, a guy I just wanted to give him a, almost a shout out. Sidney Jones, a very good cornerback at Washington, who both of you I think saw as kind of a mid first round guy, gets hurt. Uh, I believe an Achilles at his pro day. He's now, you know, a, a, you, we don't just put him in there in memoriam. I mean, he, he's facing an injury. It obviously shifts his stock. Was he a guy that you did see as a mid-first rounder who's no longer in the picture here? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I thought he had a chance to be one of the top three corners taken. And this is the part of the process that really sucks because he's been working his whole life to, to get to this point. And he's done all the right things, and he's, he's one of the rare few that, that actually has a, a chance to be a first-round NFL draft pick. Walk up on the stage and... and you know, hug, hug the commissioner, hold up his jersey and everything else, and now he, you know, because of a fluke injury, he's, uh, he's probably going to lose out on a decent amount of money, depending on his insurance, and, and, um, and have to sit out his rookie year. But, you know, the, the bright side is he's still going to be a, a draft pick. I'll be surprised if he falls out of the, the second day of the draft, and, and he'll have likely, I mean, you don't know, Achilles can, can be different for different people, but likely yeah. a a full year to uh, to get ready to play his what will be his rookie year, but it'll be in 2018. Yeah, it is kind of an interesting scenario because you know we see these injuries they really do stink. But we've also seen uh, some teams pretty aggressively. I know the Niners have done it on a few times. Draft guys that are coming off injuries. A cornerback uh, that we recently saw have one of these fluke injuries was a guy named Aaron Colvin out of Oklahoma got hurt at the Senior Bowl again. Really fluky. But he was still, I think, I think late two or early third round pick. I mean, he's still there. He's in the league now. So I don't want to make it seem like, you know, Sidney's not going to get his shot. It's just such a ridiculous situation. I mean, I guess the other good point is right across town, Jimmy Graham tore his Achilles as a 29-year-old last year. And he was back within eight months, frankly, just playing awesome for the Seahawks. So, you know, every situation is different. It'll be interesting. And going just bigger picture here for the, the defensive backs, you know, I think most most positions you don't see a, a significant change or a lot of 
of movement but when it comes to the, the combine and workouts and all that. But I think it's interesting that, you know, Sidney Jones is, is probably going to be a mid-first, and now he's going to drop. Tease Tabor from Florida. I thought his tape was worthy of a first-round a first draft pick. But there, he's, had some, some, he's got some baggage, and yeah. he runs a 4.62 or 4.63 in his 40, which is a, one of those real red flag numbers for a, for a cornerback. Then on the flip end, you got uh, Chidobe Owoze from Colorado, who, who worked out better than expected, and I think now is moving up and could be probably you know an early second instead of a third or fourth. Uh, Gary and Conley, who I thought was a was a late two or to, to early third rounder on tape, has a awesome workout at the combine, and now I'm hearing people talk about him maybe late in the first round. So for this very strong class of both corner and safety, there. It, seems like there's more late shakeup, if you will, just off of the combine and the injury than, uh, than you normally see. And it's been interesting to watch. But still, there's a ton of talent at both positions. It's just not necessarily the same names that we've seen in the first round throughout the whole process. And I had the same struggle doing a top 25 and doing a top 10 positional ranking update this week, Todd. You look at, at corners, the struggle was where do you put Sidney Jones in your top 10 corners? I put him ahead of Adoree Jackson because he was a much better player than Adoree in the same conference. Go back to the way uh, you know, John Ross got the best of Adoree. Look at look at Sidney Jones' consistency. Look at uh, Cheeto Bayouzie and how he's come on. He was a good player at Colorado. Will he get bumped up? Yes. Kevin King, the cornerback opposite uh, Sidney Jones, could go higher than Sidney Jones goes now. Jalen Smith had an injury in a bowl game and end up being an early second-round pick when some people thought he could drop to the third, fourth, fifth round. So I think Sidney Jones, second round, I'm still as the seventh-best corner. I think second round when you have really, after Marshawn Lattimore and Tredavious White from LSU, all these guys have a hole or a red flag. Jones would have been the third corner off the board or the second corner off the board. So if you take him in the second round and you got to redshirt him medically for a year, what if you have an injury in camp or an injury early in the year? That's so. Look at what happened with Dante Fowler uh, with Jacksonville right after the draft. So I think second round for Sidney Jones for a corner that would have been a top 15 pick uh, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, the, the, Mel, you bringing up Jalen Smith is really interesting because that was a devastating injury. I mean, there was talk about – that that's a legitimate. Well, nobody's having a conversation about Sidney Jones not playing football again. Todd just said it's most likely it's a redshirt type situation. You know, Jalen Smith. This this was entirely different. This was is this kid's leg going to work right? And again, he still went in the second round. I think the reality early is early second round, early second round. And I think the reality is is what it costs to play a top corner or a top pass rusher, or a top quarterback or a top tackle. Some of these really premium positions. At a second-round level, it's just so cheap comparatively. You're talking about 10 times cheaper to pay one of these guys comparatively than a great player at that position who's on his second deal. So if, even if you have to wait a year and you think Sidney Jones is an immediate starter, it's it might be worth it. So, you know, I, I think certainly second round is a possibility for a guy like him. Mel, just to finish up this first section before we jump into sure. some team breakdowns, Todd, again, with, you know, just two quarterbacks in this first round and, and, you know, a case where they dropped a little bit, obviously, you know, San Francisco didn't just get Hoyer. They also got Barkley. Uh, And other teams are looking at the veteran quarterback market to try to patch things up before the draft. It's are we are we getting really low on the idea, really down on the possibility that there could be a third quarterback going round one? Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser is a quarterback. There's going to be a lot of mixed opinion on. So a lot of Kaiser. I think he's got to get the ball out quicker, holds the ball too long. He's got to make better decisions. He had some meltdowns in some games. Um, but he's got talent. And if you can work with him in two, three years, you might ask something. So is second round reasonable? Yes. Yeah, late one a little high? Well, if you think you're not going to get him in the late second, you take him there, so be it. But you've got to have expectations and, or have to be realistic. Uh, you could. Uh, but I think that's a, a – a player that, like I say, could get pushed up there. Patrick Mahomes, more second round. Nate Peterman, Pitt, more, I could see late second, early third for him. I'm not as high on Davis Webb from Cal as somewhere. I was in August, wasn't during the course of the season, but some people like Webb more than I do. Uh, and that's probably the last quarterback that goes in the first three rounds, four rounds. But uh, maybe a third quarterback in the first, but probably just the two, uh, Watson and Trubisky. All right, well, we got through that first section. I'm going to guess, Mel, you're not a big regular Uber user, are you? Never use one. Well, Lauren, think, my daughter sh- has a lot. Okay, all right. Are you taking the hit on those uh, Uber rides for Lauren? 
Yeah, I, I, Kim handles that, so I wouldn't be able to tell you what it was. Yeah, how, he doesn't have an he doesn't have an ATM card, bro. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, he doesn't have a clue. All right. Well, we won't I dump too it. hard. Transitioning here, we're going to take a break. Then we are going to jump into picks nineteen through twenty-two: Bucks, Broncos, Lions, and the Finns. We'll be back after the break. But first, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? I I don't think you do. Posting your job in one place isn't going to find you enough quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites and includes social media. You get on Facebook. You get on Twitter. You do it all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. You don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first draft. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first draft. Once more, try it for free if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first draft. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have their quarterback, and I think they have a, a pretty good idea of what they really want to be on offense. Big move this week. They already have, obviously, Evans at one weapon, Mike Evans on the outside. Deshaun Jackson really changes things. Last year they had Vincent Jackson, they had Evans, so they didn't really have that guy that scared you over the top. You get a Deshaun Jackson, and I don't care, age 30, it changes the equation for your offense uh, this is a team that I think they're on the come. I mean, Todd, what do you think? Where do you think uh, they're looking here? I tend to agree. I, I think you know, when you, you've got your quarterback, and I know Jameis isn't perfect, and he's going to miss some open receivers at times, but he, clearly he has he has the it factor, and, and we still, we've seen a lot of positive things out of him. The, the wide receiver position is now bolstered. I think really I wound up giving, giving him at 19 – David Njoku from Miami, which to me makes sense. I know Cameron Brake came on last year, but Njoku is a different different level athlete. I mean, he's a guy who can stretch the field more. He can create a little bit more, and you can now have a two tight end package with what you have in terms of size and speed now on the outside. So that to me is an interesting pick. Certainly they don't have to. At 19, they could go running back if there's one available that they like, whether it's Christian McCaffrey from Stanford or – uh, probably too early for Alvin Kamara, uh, but we, you could see Dalvin Cook fall a little bit because he's got the shoulder injuries, the fumbling issues, some some baggage and stuff that needs to be sorted out in terms of off the field and basically just who who he runs with and and who he's going to surround himself with in the league. But to bottom line it, I think offense is a possibility. I also think defensive line, safety, and cornerback are are three areas that they'll be looking to, to try to address and upgrade, whether it's in the remainder of free agency or through the draft. Yeah, they hit, Todd, they hit with uh, Deshaun Jackson. Do they want to go a younger Deshaun Jackson and John Ross or look at Corey Davis if he were there? Offensive line's an issue. They uh, brought in Chris Baker from the Redskins on the D-line, brought in J.J. Wilcox, the safety from Dallas. So they have addressed some needs in free agency. The O-line is something that wouldn't shock me at, at 19 if they looked at. You know, I guess lastly here, uh, Todd, you know, they did go and get Noah Spence last year, but, you know, they, they like William Golston, but I think he's more of a, you know, a great run-defending defensive end, not a dynamic pass rush. They also have Robert Ayers. I think pass rush could be clearly an option here, too. They did get Vernon Hargraves in round one last year, the cornerback, and obviously you hope you get more out of your cornerback in, in year two. It's it's not an easy transition spot. No question. And I think this year's group – in terms of edge rushers, there's some some different options, whether it's Charles Harris from Missouri, Derek Barnett from Tennessee, Taco Charlton uh, from Michigan. So I think there's a decent amount of depth where if they, they were looking at that position to try to get an edge rusher, they could probably find one. But 
I'm not sure how late into the draft you're going to be able to get one that is that you're expecting to come in and make a huge difference in terms of getting home to the quarterback. The Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos were really undone last year by the offensive line, maybe even before you talk about the young quarterbacks. And speaking of those young quarterbacks, could Tony Romo end up there? We still don't know. Uh, John Elway's not out there publicly saying uh, he could. He, he keeps saying he likes his combination of Trevor Simeon and obviously first-round pick last year, Paxton Lynch. But the offensive line was a big problem. They went out and got Ronald Leary uh, you know, from Dallas. They went out and got Menelik Watson. A little scary there if that's your right tackle with a young quarterback. But they still might need some work, have to do some work on the offensive line. Uh, but, again, they also have a defense that's getting a little bit older in places. You know, guys like Aqib Talib still playing big roles. What do you think, Mel, when you look at this this Denver situation? It's a good team, but, you know, different ways they could go. Had a couple defensive linemen in free agency. Uh, tight end, wide receiver uh, could be areas to look at. Offensive line still, even with Leary's a guard, Watson's a tackle who's a little iffy, could still go back to the offensive tackle spot. Or, like I say, the tight end position is going to bring an Njoko into the first round for Miami. There's going to be some wide receivers that are going to be there as well. So uh, possibly, depending upon how medical goes and injuries, uh, and then 40 times go for some of these players. But I think Denver right now, because they did go out and get Leary and Watson, don't have to force it, uh, but I could still still see a Garrett Bowles there. Who'd you give him in the mock, Todd? I gave him Garrett Bowles because I think they, they could even upgrade their left tackle position or you could you could play him at right if Watson's had a lot of injury issues. And I just I feel like it, it is such a – I mean, to me, is, is Leary and, and Watson, does that end the issue? No. And I, it, it's a good time. <laughs> it's kind of let's, – let's try to figure out in year one if these can be our guys. And in the meantime, if we use it, it doesn't have to be first round. I mean, it could be the second round on a developmental guy, developmental tackle that maybe can move into guard if you don't need him at tackle. But uh, to me, it's a good time to bring in with one of the early round picks uh, another offensive lineman that you can work in the fold and maybe you don't have to play him as a rookie or maybe the situation demands that he has to be on the field. I'll throw out a crazy one here. What if, Mel, you can you can have this to cap this section, but they have sure. C.G. Anderson showed something last year. Had Devontae Booker, like him, Dumbles, yep. potentially a problem. If one of, the, one of the top two, one of the great running backs is there, or the local, Christian McCaffrey, that would sell a few uniforms in Denver. Not that that's going to factor in for Elway. But is that something you would even consider there if, if, the, if it's just a great player? I mean, I, I can't imagine Fournette falls that far, but... What if it's a Dalvin Cook? They've had a, hey, I think it's tempting, but they've had a great history and track record of finding running backs later in the draft. Go back to Landis Gary, yeah. Mike Anderson, Terrell Davis. John Elway's been around during a lot of those. So I think with the depth at running back, again, being pretty good. I mean, there's some running backs you're going to be able to pick up a little bit later than people think they should be on the board. Uh, so I think you'd always find those guys like Jordan Howard last year in the fifth round. So I don't think they have to, but McCaffrey would be interesting, obviously. You think about his father, Ed, in Denver. You think about the versatility of Christian McCaffrey uh, with is a punt return, kick return, catching the ball uh, and running the ball and doing everything you want a all-purpose guy to do. Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, Christian McCaffrey's got to go to me, Todd. I don't know where you had him. I saw your top ten only, but I have him as the 15th best player in this draft. I got to believe somebody takes him before we get down to Green Bay at 29 and Kansas City at 27. I had him going 14 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, the Detroit Lions. I think it was about the start of 2016 where after a couple games, Matthew Stafford basically had to have his entire body x-rayed because he was just getting pounded so much. In the last, I don't know, essentially 13, 14 months, the Lions have really done a nice job fixing up the offensive line. Taylor Decker out of Ohio State acquitted himself remarkably well for a rookie. Um Hold, held down the left tackle spot, struggled early, but he, that's the guy going in. Graham Glasgow, a recent pick. Is it left guard? Center situation's a little iffier with Travis Swanson. But now they have T.J. Lang, who they got from Green Bay, and they also have Ricky Wagner, who comes over from the Ravens. I, I, I've had some conversations, you know, just talking to some of our analysts and stuff. Now people see this as a potentially top five, top six offensive line, and which was remarkable for the Lions. It hasn't been that way for a long time. So suddenly... You know, maybe you can it's not really worry about that too much. Maybe you can look at receiver. Maybe you can look at, you know, just getting another pass rusher to help Ziggy Ansah. Uh, Todd, it was your mock today. I think you had Charles Harris out of Missouri 
to the Lions? What do you think their needs are beyond, you know, pass rusher? I think they need to, they need to get Ansa help. Yeah. You know, for years it's been get Stafford help. And I think they've done the right thing, as you alluded to, because if you have a pocket passer whose strength is not his mobility, but he's, he's able to make every throw that you could possibly imagine because of his arm strength and he's improved as a decision maker and, and every, everywhere else, you got to protect him. But now we're on the defensive side. You've got this rare talent, elite talent in Ziggy Ansah, but he's constantly double teamed and, and he was dinged up a little bit and has not did not put up the production that you're looking for uh, out of that kind of talent. But certainly we've seen it in, in times during his career. And I, I just think they need more guys around him to either take some of the attention off of Ansa or, or to exploit one-on-ones and, and opportunities where, where backs are you know, helping check and tight ends are, are moved over to Ansa's side. Mel, maybe the secondary could come into play here too. I mean, Darius Slay's a player, but uh, safety issue, safety's been a question mark. Tavon Wilson was there. They brought in DJ Hayden, who, you know, obviously had some, you know, major injury situation going into the draft, but frankly was kind of a bust in in Oakland. Is that and linebacker also places you could be looking when you're thinking second, third round? If we agree with Todd that it should be a pass rusher early. Yeah, I think Marlon Humphrey would be a cornerback out of Alabama to think about at that point, at least in the, in the later portion of round one. Uh, from the pass rush standpoint, Derek Barnett's going to be interesting. Where does he go? I think generally you would think in this area. And then uh, the kid who I thought was going to be a top ten pick, but he runs a four nine two at the combine, Taco Charlton. I mean, if the local product out of Michigan is there, that's kind of a no-brainer. They could put in a Taco Charlton opposite Ansa, where Derek Barnett, with all his productivity in the SEC at Tennessee, so if one of those pass rushers are there, that kind of trumps everything else, even corner, because they're better players potentially. When you look at the big board right now, I got Barnett at 21. I got Charlton up there at 8 even with the 40 time that wasn't spectacular. But he is a kid who's long, and he finished strong, and he get after the quarterback. So I think uh, you know, opposite answer to get a guy would be great. Uh, Wagner and, and Lang will help that offensive line. Stafford's been outstanding. So, yeah, now go to the defense and try to get after the quarterback rather than force a cornerback maybe a little earlier than you should. The Miami Dolphins. Let's troll Mel a little here and let Todd talk about who he gave to the Dolphins in his mock draft today. Hassan Reddick one of Mel's boys. Uh, Todd, you had him there at 22 for the Dolphins. Like that fit? Yeah, I do. I mean, they need linebacker help. And let's face it, he was an edge guy at Temple, and he showed during the Senior Bowl that he's capable of playing off the ball where his skill set fits better. Um, You know, the only thing that really has to be studied is is how is his football intelligence? Can he pick things up? It appears that he's – that he's showing well in all those in terms of meetings and, and clearly at the senior bowl week he, he did a nice job picking up a new position and so you, you look at a guy who had an 11-1 broad jump 4-5-2 in the 40-yard dash and is a playmaker and also can occasionally i think you can rush him off the edge and blitz him, blitz him and get him after the quarterback you get a lot of versatility there and i think this is a miami this is a miami team that's done a nice job of continuing to add parts i think on the defensive side, they've done they've done a nice job with a couple of their moves, but now I think the, one of the areas they need to to upgrade is at linebacker in terms of the speed and versatility. Mel, is pass rush also a possibility? I mean, Cameron Wake is going into he's getting into that you know Freeney and Mathis club guys that just refuse to age, but he'll he's thirty five could you know uh, going into that season. William Hayes isn't exactly you know a young pup anymore. At pass rush, I mean, Reddick can do a lot for you on defense, uh, as you know, but where else are you looking here for Miami? Yeah, Miami's back end bothered me. I think the linebacker core, adding Lawrence Timmons, who actually I think on this podcast a few weeks ago I compared uh, Hassan Reddick too. He was, you know, Timmons came out of Florida State. Is he outside, mm-hmm. inside? Reddick's the same way with his versatility and the way he can cover and rush the passer and how he's tested, how he played at the Senior Bowl week, how he played at Temple. I think you look at, at Timmons, and if you add a Reddick, uh, you've really strengthened the back end. I think the defensive line with Hayes coming in 
is okay. I just think the secondary and that linebacking core, it was they were woefully lacking in some games. and uh, So they could go secondary. Uh, you know, Reddick, I have him right now as the 13th best player in this draft. So if you're picking where Miami is, you're getting good value there. I don't think that's uh, too high, uh, too much of a stretch for Hassan Reddick. So I just, I, when I watch Miami this year, I just said, hey, you got to get better at linebacker and you got to get a lot better in the secondary in order to compete uh, through a whole season and try to be a playoff caliber team. And you don't know, say this for Miami. They kept Kenny Stills around. Uh, Julius Thomas came down recently for a trade. Um, you know, a lot of the parts are there. If Devontae Parker can pick it up a little bit, uh, he's that's starting a guy, to come on last year. That's a guy that has flashed, and if he can carry that week to week, um, there could be something there. Jarvis Landry's really a stud. That, you know, Miami's problem is, is you know, after that Julius Thomas trade, they were down to four picks. You, four picks, you got to hit these. Um, it, it, and I think it might be interesting because this is a team that might really have to trust their board and take the best player. Because if you're, you can't be draft, you can't draft for need too much, and and you know miss on value when you only have four picks. So Miami's got a pretty big challenge in front of them. As much as they think they've got a pretty good team, you know, going into the 2017 season, the mail is here. Todd is not, unfortunately. I think the TSA made him jump off his uh, the podcast before he hops on a plane. I guess that's kind of cool. You can't have a guy podcasting through security. I don't know. I think it might be unprecedented. Uh, but jumping to mail that came in, I'll start here. Just get a, a name that's way off the board, a Mel special. But Stormzy at Flachetuck asks Mel. Austin Carr from wide receiver from Northwestern. I saw he had a really good pro day. Wasn't invited to the comment. You think this kid can get drafted, Mel? Yeah, I mean, he had a great year for Northwestern. Anytime you watch the Wildcats play, he was front and center. We talked about Clayton Thorson, the quarterback, maybe being a future NFL starting quarterback down the road as a third-year sophomore this year. That's where he went. When he needed a key reception, uh, Carr came through. He's a smart kid. Uh, he improves by leaps and bounds. He'll work hard. Uh, he can, I think, become, because of the year he had in terms of tape, when they go back and watch him and they know he's a guy who can come in and pick things up quickly, I would think you get into fifth, sixth, around area uh forget it there's a lot of guys that don't get that don't go to the combine to do get drafted there's always a handful or more that do and i think he will be one of those in round five or round six cowboy fan 2005 who is this year's tyree kill i'm going to qualify this i don't think he's thinking off-field issues but really good player and falls i think he's thinking of electric football players you know start at the top of the class with john ross who else are we thinking about mel when we think just guys you drafting, and I got to get the ball in his hands. Well, I'll go to some guys that I think could become good day three picks. And I think that's you know where you're looking at with some of these players. I think D'Angelo Henderson from Coastal Carolina, a running back. I've talked a lot about him as a really good day three caliber player. I think George Kittle from Iowa, who could be an H-back. You can play him a tight end. He can block. I was very impressed with the way George Kittle blocked this year in the games that I saw, and he tested great at almost 250 pounds, runs a 4.52, verticals 35 inches, and 11.0 broad jump. So I think George Kittle on day three would make a lot of sense as well. I'm anxious to see where Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech goes. If you can get him in the third or fourth round, he would be a steal. And Jonu Smith, a tight end from Florida International, has an awful lot of ability. If he gets a little lost in the shuffle at tight end and he gets into that fourth, fifth, sixth round area, there's a guy who can come in and help you in the passing game. Jordan Parhar asks, Mel, what's your take on Evan Ingram's position? A lot of analysts, he says, say mm-hmm. he could play wide receiver, but every mock draft I see, he's a tight end. Well, he's a tight end. I mean, and he's a he's a glorified uh, you know, wide receiver because you're going to flex him out at six yeah, three and a half. He's a flex tight end. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got long arms for two. So you're talking about a guy who plays at like he's six five, six six at six three and a half. So he plays taller than six three and a half because he's got really long arms, big hands, runs four four two, and you know, verticals thirty six. So we saw what he did. We saw Engram, and we knew that hey, even last year he could have come out and been a pretty high pick. Now you're talking about. I think I don't know if Todd had him in the first or not. I'm thinking when I do my mock next week, maybe late one, early two. So uh, he's right now my third highest rated tight end behind O.J. Howard and David and 
Njoku. Evan Ingram's right in there at three. Adam Shaheen from Ashland is four. Bucky Hodges, Virginia Tech, is five. Gerald Everett, South Alabama, six. Jake Butt coming off the injury is at seven. I think this tight end group, that's why O.J. Howard the four to Jacksonville. Do you want to take Howard at four, or would you be better off getting a tight end in the second round, third round, fourth round, even a Smith in the fifth round out of Florida International than taking a tight end higher than just about any we've ever had, dating all the way back to 1972? Yeah, that's going to be a fun question with tight ends is, does having so many cause a run on them early, or does having so many cause a little bit more of a run on them late? I mean, it can really go both ways, because if O.J. Howard comes off the board at four, you're going to have teams later in round one saying, huh, I wonder if we're not going to get one of these guys unless we do it early. But it it happens at different positions every year. You you know, it's happened with running backs in round two. You know, it it always happens with pass rushers early. I mean, yeah, and I'll tell you what, we saw D Ford and Sean Smith go flying off the board in round one a couple. Yeah, and let's not make a mistake. David Njoku is as good as Eric Ebron. So Eric Ebron went tenth overall to the Detroit Lions. David Njoku is a kid who's got enormous talent. He's six four. He's almost two hundred and fifty pounds. He's got super long arms. He's got big hands. He ran four sixty vertical thirty seven and a half, and an incredible broad jump of eleven one. And he over the last seven eight games of the year was as good as any tight end in the country, including O.J. Howard. So if Howard goes that high, I could very easily see a David Njoku come off the board a lot higher than 22 to Miami, you yeah. know, or where I had him going for, they're not going to take a tight end now, or any team in that range between, say, 18, 19, and 25. I could see him going top 10 to 15. Yeah, and then it, if that happens, then suddenly a team maybe late in round one singing out, is, it, is Evan Ingram going to yeah. be there at the end of round two? I don't know. Maybe yeah. you got to go get that guy. No, he won't be. He won't be yeah. there at the end of round two, so like, that's why I think late first you know, could be a possibility for Ingram. Let's take a look at this one. Is Mel L at Wolfman Jr. Solid handle there, buddy. Is Kaya being overanalyzed? Brad Kaya, who is on with in Gruden's QB camp. You got to check those out. Always fun. Is Brad Kaya out of Miami being overanalyzed? His contention, he doesn't wow you, but seems to not have any huge red flags. What do you think? I think Kaya needed another year, and I understand that you're going to lose players like Stacy Coley and Yearby left early, and then Joku's out early. But Miami, hey, Mark Rick's bringing in players. They got talent down there. So another year really would have helped Brad Kaya, I think, solidify his second-round grade. Uh, I thought that's where the ceiling was for him. And now you're thinking fourth to fifth-round area for Kaya. At that point, uh, you're in with Davis Webb at Cal and Chad Kelly Ole Miss and Josh Dobbs, Tennessee. I think Kaya would deserve to be a fourth-rounder. When you're getting a guy who I really believe, had he gone back, could have been a two. I mean, he'll look down at gun barrel. Granted, when you get pressured, your your accuracy wanes a little bit. It's a tough kid. Uh, he's got the kind of size. He's got the NFL arm. I just think he came out a year too early. And it's like I say, instead of being a two, he's a four-five. So at that point, you know, and you're the Chiefs who train. You know, they always draft a quarterback. They drafted Hogan last year, passed on Prescott with three third-round picks. Uh, sorry, three, three fourth-round picks, and took Hogan in the fifth round. So I think you get into round four and five, he's coming off the board. All right, we'll do one more here in what is officially a mailbag because there's no Todd. You can keep that one, Josh. It's probably worth a million dollars. Neil Stevenson at NeilSalmon71 asks, is Reuben Foster's slightly smaller frame a concern? At Bama, I think a fair point, he played behind a great defensive line. Will he hold up Mel, say nice things. You know I love Reuben Foster. Well, he's been one of the favorite players for me in the draft. I, I love his attitude. I asked Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen, great, great kid, tremendously uh, mature, great football player at Alabama. Uh, if he's not a broadcaster after his career is over, I don't know who will be. But Jonathan Allen, great kid, great football player. I asked him about Reuben Foster on the Daria Mel show Saturday, 8 to noon Eastern. Make sure you guys listen, 8 to noon Eastern every Saturday. And Jonathan came on and said, I asked him about Reuben Foster. He said he is the leader on the practice field, in the locker room, on the field, game day, setting everybody up getting everybody motivated, fired up, smart, knowledgeable, intense. Isn't that what an inside linebacker supposed to do? Uh, is that the little issue at the combine going to hurt him? No. He's my fifth best player in this draft. If you can get him between 10 and 15, tell me where Todd had him, Chris. He had him at 9 to Cincinnati, which is a fit I love. You yeah, know, they they really need more speed at linebacker. They've had you know years of perfect and Maluga. Uh, you know, Foster would obviously be great there in Cincinnati. I, I think that's reasonable for him. 
Yeah, let's forget about the Reggie Ragland comparisons. There's no comparison. Ragland oh, was not a with run range. stuffer. This kid can run to the football. Yeah. He's got great sideline to sideline speed. He's an every down linebacker. He's an enforcer. A great football player. He's the closest thing from a from an attitude standpoint. And I don't want to say he's going to be the next Ray Lewis, but from an attitude standpoint, an intensity and knowledge standpoint, and a want to be great standpoint, uh, you know, he's kind of like Ray Lewis was coming out of Miami of Florida. And Ray didn't go, go until the twenties, and uh, you know, we're looking at Foster somewhere in the top ten to fifteen. And in terms of the size comparison, I th- I I'd put him more in the class of, particular if you put him on the weak side, a guy like Levante David, and Foster is even bigger than that, but he's he's got David's ability. You know, sideline to sideline is overstated. Just call it range. He definitely has sideline to sideline range. Uh, you know, Reuben Foster. And, again, that he's he comes in a package about 10 pounds bigger than what you had with Levante David. And, by you the way, Levante Lewis, David's, You know what Ray Lewis weighed coming out of college? 235. No. Two, what was it? He weighed about two – anywhere probably around 220. Because yeah. I asked Ray this, so, you know, Ray working. Hey, I said, Ray, what, what did you really? I had him at two twenty five in the book. Yeah. He said I was two twenty. Yeah. And now he got up to two forty. That was the highest he got. Really, well, that was, with the that was like Ray. Levante David. Levante David played at like two fifteen, two twenty oh, yeah. all season. Then he shows up at the combine. He's two thirty three. I mean, you get to where you need to be for you know for essentially the combine's a little bit like weigh ins. You know, you get to where you need to be, and then it's like you know you get back to just be, being a football player again. Yep. Uh, but you know, Foster's Foster's a dude. I mean, he he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. Guys, we broke some new ground here. I mean, Kuiper's always strong from his uh, spacious and beautiful home studio that's now all over TV. Though I, I don't know if that's your same one, Mel. You like your new commercial? I haven't seen it. No, oh, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Mel, check out the draft commercial if you're if you see it. But uh, you know, we had Mel, but really breaking new ground here technologically with. Todd McShay from an Uber. Um, I don't know. I kind of it's like carpool karaoke is pretty big. I think podcast from an Uber. Could you think be that's bigger. more or less technologically advanced than when you did it from Aruba last year? I did do it from Aruba, and don't even remind me of that because we're not taking any cool vacations this year. Right? Wow, that's that hurts. Yeah. So you did it from another hemisphere. It shouldn't be that surprising that Todd could do it from uh, an Uber, you know, like twenty right. miles. Yeah, away. from a car that's. Yeah. essentially down the street i guess you're right oh well well we did get through todd's mock we got through a little bit of free agency we hit the bucks the broncos the lions and the dolphins and mel just crushed the mail he was born to do mailbags um and we will be back again next week i think mel what do you think your mock comes out like wednesday Mock will be out Wednesday. I'll have it up to uh, Dane on Tuesday, and we'll be talking about it on Wednesday. And I don't know when our podcast will be next week, but and we'll try to do uh, check it so your local can, listings. We can scrutinize the mock, so maybe we'll do it you know, Wednesday or Thursday next week. But mm-hmm. fear not, we will get to it. And McShay will have taken in a little bit of a, some fresh pro days. We'll have some times on guys like Mike Williams. We'll have a workout from a guy like Deshaun Watson. So you'll see more things kind of slide into place in terms of what we know. Uh, we're a little smarter each week. I think that's a good way to say it. Hopefully. Um, but for me, Chris Sproul, there's Mel, there's Todd, and uh, that's First Draft for this week. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.